Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I'm the host of this daily podcast, which is all about music and creative culture in London. And today's episode is a little bit of a history lesson. I went to the Lexington last night because on Friday nights they have what's called White Heat, which is an indie music and alternative club night, essentially, and sometimes they have bands playing as well. Today's episode wasn't so much about the bands playing, it was more about the history of White Heat and indie rock nights in London. So I spoke to Ollie, who was DJing downstairs at the Lexington, who's been working there for a few years now, and has seen his first share of things in London. And I also spoke to Matty, one half of the team that helms White Heat. Between them, they've been in London since at least the late 90s, early 2000s, so... In this episode, they are filling me and my audience, all 15 of you, they are filling us in on the history of live music and indie rock nights in London, how the tides changed, the big names that passed through, and their perspective on all that happened. I really enjoyed these conversations. <laughs> Ollie, when I hadn't met Ollie before, I talked to him last night. So when I approached him and Matty at the, at the decks downstairs... Ollie looked at me and kind of said, sorry, mate, I don't take requests, <laughs> which made me laugh. Matthew's like, no, 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 it's okay, he, he, he's cool. But I was like, oh, what, no, Arctic Monkeys? Oh, come on, mate. But he was a really interesting conversation. He he put on a song by the Dandy Warhols, a 16-minute song, so that we would have time to talk and he wouldn't be distracted by the decks. Now, you might think, well, isn't that going to annoy the punters who are in the room? But on the contrary, friends... Someone actually approached the decks and said, hey, what song is this? I really like it. That man knows what he's doing. And once again, you saw his eyes light up once I asked about his history and all that he's seen and all that he's participated in in London. He seems to have a pretty strong foot in the psychedelic rock scene in London. So he talks a bit about bands like Toy and The Horrors. And Matty, both of them actually, they talk about first going to Nights Out and then becoming part of the Nights Out. And Matty has seen quite a few big names pass through his nights here in London. So these are some rather long conversations, but with good reason, because I learned a lot during these, and I hope you will too. At the time, the background was really loud, so there was some doubt about whether these conversations would actually be audible. But such is the magic of the microphone on the iPhone 5. You can make out what we're saying. So first you'll hear me talking to Ollie, and then you'll hear me talking to Matty. I'll see you at the end, but please enjoy. Okay, I am inside the Lexington. I am downstairs. The DJ on the decks is our guest for this conversation. He's just put on a 16-minute Dandy Warhols track to accommodate our conversation. What is your name, kind sir? Uh, my name is Ollie. Ollie, how long have you been with White Heat and the Lexington? Um, I've been working at the Lexington for nine years. Uh, I've been a aficionado of White Heat for even longer than that. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's take it back to the start. When did you first come to London? Um, I, basically, I, 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 um, I grew up in, in the suburbs of south-east London, so um, I, I, I don't really feel that, like this one of these days I finally came to London, not, not like these kind of... Uh, like people from Bolton that came down yeah. for, oh I'm finally in London it's like I was always only like uh, 20 minutes on the train away from London but uh, okay yeah. so before you started officially working in this capacity in London what were your nights out in London like? Um, at the time 
the most amazing nights out ever. Yeah. Uh, but looking back, very basic. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what years are we talking about when you first got out uh, in London? Uh, but my first uh, years going out in London, we were talking about like uh, 2001, 2002. And, and I was like uh, 15, 16 at the time, but like there was never a problem about getting ID'd back then. <laughs> never, like it was fine. And was it indie rock nights you're going to then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah, like um, a story or two. Um, uh, they, um, uh, I can't remember what the, the the name of the club night was called, but um, it was yeah, it was just like if you like alternative music, come here, and if. If you like paying £2 for a cranberry and vodka, come here. That's this is the place yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Live gigs as well at the time? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 was, I was going to gigs all the time. Um, Were you ever playing gigs yourself? No, not at that time. Um, okay. it, I didn't start playing gigs until, uh, until I was like uh, in my mid-20s. Uh, well, I'd I, I play like open mic nights and crap yeah. like that. But uh, in my mid-twenties, the, the first thing that broke me through, I, I joined a uh, Roxy Music tribute band. Nice choice. Good yeah. way to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I, was, I was playing big venues and like having a great time. Um, Did that... that you think, yeah. Basically, I, I, was, I was the Brian Eno of the band. Um, <laughs> um, but it all fell through, like much like uh, Roxy Music in themselves all fell out of each other we all uh, fell out of each other the curse of roxy music yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lives on uh, and then so since then after that um, um i started uh, my own band with a few friends called telegram uh, very uh, influenced by brian eno and roxy music and uh, and yeah that, that's what i've been doing for the last five years and also working here at the lexington and djing here at the lexington so did playing music live come before djing uh no not really, no, no, I think I, I DJ'd b- before. Actually, actually before, um, I, I DJ'd like a long time before I um, uh, played live. Um, I, 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 I DJ'd, like, I, I was a big fan of like the, the upcoming electronic music and uh-huh. like um, around the time, uh, I don't know, it was like kind of like 2008, like the, when, when Justice started. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, was, I was really into that kind of like, uh, like kind of heavy electronic music. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I really dig that at the time. I certainly don't now, like, but um, but at the time, yeah, that, that that's that's how I cut my teeth, DJ, and that's how I learned how to like beat match and all that. Yeah, so where were the first venues where you were learning this? Uh, it was at the Scala. Okay. That was like yeah, completely. It was completely at Scala. Um, there was uh, there was a club night where you know the Scala has like like uh, three different stages and several different like DJ booths uh-huh. and and me and my friend were just allowed to like like open it and uh, yeah like basically like wow so these are decks so yeah that's what that button does that's what that button does so I learned how to DJ there and I, I was really big into that kind of music so I'm doing a podcast quick, quick interview a podcast. Second. yeah so the Scala what, yeah. what, what year is this? This was uh, 2008, I think, or maybe 2007. So you already had the taste in music. They gave you an outlet to play it to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I kind of knew the people that uh, 
run it. I, I knew the promoters and they gave me a chance. So after Scala, was it then the Lexington or were there any other places in um, between? After that, yeah, there, there was lots, there was various places in between. Like I was like, uh, like trying to like, I was trying to become like, uh, you know how like, kind of like Dead Mouse is like, oh, DJ here, now, now I'm a big star. I was like, yeah. oh, I thought, oh, I can do that. <laughs> uh, but then I just started working at Lexington and then I saw, like, oh, they've got DJs, so I'll do that. And then, then my DJ style became kind of more, uh, like, more to the crowds. Uh, okay. But I never, I never, like, I never sell myself out. I always play only what I would like to hear. And these days, so you're DJing, do you still go out to other indie nights or live bands? Yeah, I, I, I definitely go out to see um, and any band that I want to see. I'll, I'll, I'll go out and see them. Um, I'm I, not so much like uh, the days of like going out to White Heat like I was ten years ago. Kind of yeah, like, I'm getting a hold of it. Well, Ollie, I think the song's about to come to an end. So thank you very much for your time. I don't know if it is. I, I, oh, I think it picks back up then, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, let's check. Yeah, yeah. It's only halfway through. <laughs> That's why I love this song. It's a 16-minute fast-driving rave-up with the Dandy Warhols. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I didn't even get to be uh, like. Um, so yeah, my band went on tour with the Dandy Warhols, and uh, they they never used to play this song live at all. But uh, they, they 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 resurrected it and 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 then got us the support band Telegram to like play it on, like, live on stage to them. So so did you ask them to bring that back into the set? No, no, no. I, I, in fact, I was like a bit like nervous about it when they said, "Hey, like corners, like hey, Telegram, you gotta fucking play this live on stage of us. Come on." <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Who could say no to an offer it, like that? Oh yeah, yeah. Courtney is uh, very hard to turn down. <laughs> Are there any other big names that you crossed paths with in your career playing music in London? Um, well, like, like uh, for, for our touring with Telegram, we've we've played with uh, like we we tour with like Paul Weller, and, Whoa. Uh, the Horace, but the, the Horace already are friends. But like, um, I'd say the, the bands that I love the most in 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 like in so much that they helped Telegram so much is is Danny Warhols. Like, um, they they were doing a US tour. And and they're like, we want you to support us, and we're like, oh, we can't afford to go over there. We can't like yeah. ship all our amps. Or it's like, and Courtney was like, fuck it, I don't care. You're coming over here. Just pay for your flights. You can stay in our van, and you can borrow our amps. I was like, wow, what a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. How did you first meet him then? How did he come? We played, we played a festival with them in like 2014, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, that's when we first met him. Uh, it was like us, Temples, Horrors, and uh, Dandy Warhols, and we became really good mates after that, and we kept in touch. And, yeah. Okay. Are there any other London bands in that you kind of brush shoulders with, who you might still be in touch with now? Oh yeah, well, like uh, like Temples, obviously, and then uh, uh, Toy Horrors. Like, because we all we all basically, even before we were bands, we were hanging out together in in East London in Hackney, so. So you all had similar tastes, we're all bound together on nights out and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Who was the first to start a band among you? Do you remember? Well, like, Horrors were first, and then, and then like, Toy came next, and then I think Temples, and then uh, we followed after Temples. Was there, like, a shared rehearsal space or any, like, live venues that you used to we, often we, go to? We used to, we used to rehearse the same place as Toy. Um, 
But yeah, uh, we, we, we all went to um, a cave club, like Reese and the Horrors used to run cave club at a Buffalo Bar in Hyde. And Buffalo Bar was, uh, it used to be um, an amazing little bar in uh, just by Highbury Station, uh-huh. uh, run, run by the owner of the Lexington. Uh, but um, she got like fobbed off by, and it's not there anymore. Now it's like some wanky cocktail bar. Uh-huh. But that, that, that was the best thing. At, like now, uh, like Reese's Club, Cave Club, now it's a, a moth club, and it's not, it's, it's good, but it's not quite as good. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back but like yeah, from like from like 2009 till like 2014, I was all like there every every month. How do you feel about indie bands now? Like, I feel like in the 2000s, especially late 2000s, London was swamped by indie bands who were all amazing and live music was where it's at. I feel like it's fallen out of fashion a little bit. How do you feel? Well, I I don't I yeah I mean. There's there's not much new music that excites me at all anymore. Like I don't know if I'm just jaded by it all, but like there's like yeah, very very little is excited. But uh, I'll tell you what, like the new Parquet Course album is brilliant. And that's just come out, hasn't it? Yeah, I've just heard it today, and I was like, <laughs> well, I heard the, like the first two singles off it, and I was like, yeah. I know this is going to be good, and it hasn't let me down. Yeah, Wide Awake was, uh, was, yeah, that was yeah. the first one. What, like, like I, I fucking love it because, like, basically, the bass players like finally discovered how to play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like it's like all, all the previous uh, Parquet Court songs were very, very basic bass playing, and now because I think because he was like singing a lot. But now, yeah. now the bass player is no longer singing. He's just like doing the fucking funky bass line. You can cut loose a little bit now. Yeah, I fu- oh, yeah, it's, I really dig it. But are there any gigs coming up that you're looking to go to? Do you like plan gigs that much in advance, or do you tend to just well, like to, to see other bands? Yeah, not really. Um, like ha- having worked in the Lexington for nine years, I've got a lot of connections with like uh, promoters and venues. Uh. So, like, so if, if, if I want to go somewhere, I, I, I don't mean to seem like, sound like a total cop. No, 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 no. Of course, no, no. I'm just trying to ca- capture an honest portrait. But, so like, but no, what I was, like, like the, the most exciting, I've, uh, excited I've been by a new album is this new Parquet Course album. Okay. Uh, the last time I was, I was uh, as excited was when um, Tame and Paula released their second album. I was like, and I loved it. And it was like, oh, it's kind of good. And then they just like, they just went downhill and downhill and downhill. I'm really, really disappointed with their trajectory. But, um, but Parquet Course, I think they're... They're the, they're the new hopes that you have. Well, yeah, I mean, like we 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 played, uh, we shared a dressing room like like four years ago, and uh, and uh, after 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 one hour, they asked their their tour manager if they could get themselves a different dressing room from us. <laughs> <laughs> you made a good impression there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing. Well, it's like our, our previous guitarist at the time. Like, I think he uh, fell asleep on on the futon and pissed himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. All right. Well, Ollie, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Roy. And to be continued. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I am back by the DJ booth at downstairs at the Lexington. Ollie's spinning another like twelve-minute wonder on the decks. But I have another guest joining me tonight who is every bit as integral to this venue. What is your name, kind sir? Matty. Matty, how long have you been 
in white heat at the Lexington? Uh, white heat's been at the Lexington for three years, but it was various other places for 12 years before that. 12 years with white heat, that's impressive. Do you remember what London, when did you come to London first of all? Let's start there. Well, I came to London when I was four. I was escaping Brighton. I become disillusioned with the scene down there. Um, so soon, four years in money. Yeah. Um, I took some time out, and when I was about 20, I started, um, you know, really getting into it properly. So about 1998 or so. Um, and back then, it was all about kind of clubs, about events, not so much about kind of bars or, uh, or venues. Um, and you kind of go out seven days a week with no real trouble. Uh, which maybe isn't the case now. It's, it's more about kind of venues. It's, it's changed a lot. So you come here late 90s, early 2000s. You're a punter. You're going to nights out and so on. When do you start to get involved in the entertainment? Um, so 2002. Uh-huh. Well, actually, no, before that, when I finished university, kind of like 2000-ish, I started... Um, a website about going to clubs and going to gigs in London, so like a listing site. Uh, and that's kind of where it started. I started DJing. And, okay. Um, yeah. So you, you felt like the nights were good enough that they were worthy of telling other people about them? Yeah, there were loads of great nights. Um, what kind of music are we listening to at that time? Well, who are the, what are the songs, who are the artists that you're li- always liking to hear on a night out? So when I started, it was all kind of quite... It was kind of the end of new metal, and um, and so we really loved the kind of um, the kind of garage rock stuff that, that, that was kind of coming through, uh-huh. and the clubs that we've been going to were playing. They weren't playing that. They were playing like increasingly bad new metal, increasingly bad. Well, just playing the same 60 songs they've been playing for the last 10 years. Yeah. Which is kind of why we were like, ah, we should probably, you know, at least play some songs that we want. Yeah. Yeah. Do our own night or DJ someone else's or, yeah. So did you start by DJing someone else's or did you have, so whose did you get to DJ? This is Michael Feet first. We were upstairs at Camden Palace, which is now Coco. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, this tiny little room at the top, which we called Room at the Top. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and it was kind of fun, and we did that for like a year, uh, me and a guy called Ollie. Um, that Ollie, or a different Ollie? Yeah, different Ollie, different Ollie. And then, um, yeah, then we went, we moved, we found a place in the Mayfair uh, that was failing pretty hard, uh-huh. and got up to give us a good drinks deal, and uh, we did a Tuesday night in Mayfair, uh, which was white heat. And that's, it was warm. So, the first nights you were doing in Camden, was it mainly your friends, who, like people that personally knew you that came to the night? Did word start to spread? Did you see the crowd start to balloon a little? Yeah, but the thing was, we could, we'd be going out like six, seven nights a week. So the people that personally knew us were everyone that went to nightclubs. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, before, before being able to engage with people on Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever, like really, really like went one point fucking zero. Yeah. So you genuinely had to go out and talk to people and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Here's a bit of paper with the information. Come to it. It's just like, 
I mean, how different is that to now? Yeah, it's like a, another time, another world entirely. You can't imagine it. But I feel like they might have built a more personal connection with your audience if they had met you personally saying, hey, I'm doing a thing, come to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably true. Um, so did word start to spread? Because you made it sound like there was, you had an interest in a certain kind of music that wasn't being met by the nights out you were going to. Yeah, so did word spread yeah. that like, the, this new sound you're looking for, these guys are playing it. I am like pushing it, but it was definitely, it definitely like within six months, I mean, the first one was pretty good. You know, a bunch of people turned up. It was fun. The bar were happy. You know, we were happy. Everyone had a great time. Yeah. And then um, six months in, the place had a queue down the street. So obviously, we you know had the right idea at the right time or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your audience starts to grow. Do you see any other nights similar to yours that start to spring up? Not so much at the time. It was more kind of like a continuation of what people had been doing and, and maybe bringing a bit of that music as it got popular. I mean, like you couldn't ignore the Strokes or the White Stripes or, or whatever for all that long in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, other people were playing that music, but... So, not quite like we did. I don't know. Obviously not quite like we did, but... Uh, well, I guess maybe you were there first. You were one of the pioneers. So even though other people are doing it, I imagine that alone brings a draw to your night over other people. Yeah. So yeah. that's you DJing. When do we start to get into hosting live bands? Oh, uh, yeah. So the place we were DJing, they had bands on it. It, they, it was really bad. <laughs> it was like your singer-songwriter first on, metal band second, and then a disco. You know, it was, it was really bad. Yeah. So, about two months in, they're like, maybe even a month in, they're like, hey, this is going well, do you want to do the bands as well? We're like, yeah. Because basically the guys that ran the place were, they're quite a bit older, like a decade older than me. But they kind of had no idea what they were doing. They were kind of chancing it. They got lucky. They got this place in Mayfair. And, uh, and so we're just sitting in the office getting pissed with them on a on a Monday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night or wherever and you know bouncing ideas around so it's like yeah we'll do the bands why <laughs> and we got some mates in to book them and we booked them and, so do you yeah. remember some of those early bands um, I, I, I really can't remember the first band that played I think it might have been Block High um, but that would have been we got in um, some girls we knew called Motherfucker um, and they put on block party I don't know if that was the first gig that was kind of like a white heat show um, and then increasingly we did our own bands um, now you've already mentioned how this is long before the social network era so when you're first hosting a night you're going out there personally trying to bring people in yeah. how are you finding bands at this time I used to get mailed in the post CDs <laughs> like demos that is and awesome. I, I mean I look back on it and I'm like how the fuck did we book anything how how the hell did that work you get a, I mean like one of the one of the demos I remember most is um, I got sent this this kind of letter with a demo by a band called The Long Blocks uh -huh. and all they said was the music they hated and I was like I could hate those bands too <laughs> I'll book them and so they came down from Leeds to play uh -huh. and you're like how, the, how are you supposed to know if anyone's going to come to see them and it was good they were nice, you know. Yeah, so and then, you mentioned 
six months you saw the crowd for your DJing nights crowd. What were the audiences like for the bands? Was that popular from the off? It depended on the bands, but yeah, it was. Um, I, we, we kind of had ten years where we we had pretty solidly kind of you know busy shows or sold out shows. But like the, the Long Dogs is an example. So when we moved venues, we moved to Man and Jojo's like really short notice because the place we were in got shut down. Uh, nothing to do with us. Um, same thing happened with Madame Jojo's. Yeah, yeah nothing to do with us. <laughs> but, um, oh, infinite. No, yeah, but I do miss yeah. Madame Jojo's. Yeah, okay. Um, this is the first band we put on at Madame Jojo's was um, um, The Long Gods. Okay. Uh, it was actually the second band that we put on at Madame Jojo's, but the first band was uh, put on by a different promoter that, that I booked. So I booked a promoter, they did a regular night. So the first band we put on at the Long Gods, we sold seven tickets. Wow, okay. 250 people in the room. Wait. Seven people bought tickets. Yep. Two so advance tickets, seven tickets. Okay. 250 people in the room, maybe one. Which, it was a different time. Yeah. Uh, if you did that now, seven tickets, you'd just be like, well, um, I'm going to make my apologies at the beginning of the night uh-huh. and uh, cry by the bar because no one is going to show up. You, you know, nah. Okay, so you had a thirst for this, the audience had a thirst for this. Were there any particular bands that you saw rise through the ranks over the course of playing your nights? Or did you manage to get any of those big American bands to play in your nights? Um, that's going to put me on the spot. I have to remember things now. <laughs> um, so some of the best shows we had, we had um, Mystery Jets play, we had Foles do their first ever show. Uh, like free the current, sorry, free the current lineup. Um, we had um, 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster Lions. Um, we had we had Grimes do her first UK show. We had um, oh yeah. So if you want a big show, uh-huh. there was a bit of a ball ache. Uh-huh. Like how the fuck did that happen? We had um, Lord's first UK show as a white heat show. Lord, Lord, the uh, New Zealand songstress, who two weeks later was uh, number one in the uh, chart. And I got a phone call the following day from the agent, being like really thankful, being like, "Hey, thanks for touring now. I'm sorry it was such a nightmare." And I was just like, <laughs> "Thank me." Stunned disbelief. Uh, Thank you! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, if stuff like that happened, you're just like, yeah. So, was this equal parts you looking for these artists, or had, had your name got a reputation that people wanted to play White Heat by this point? That one that one was one where I think they were looking around there, like, we need quite a kind of like a fun, cool show, kind of quite small. Where can we do that? Oh, White Heat Man and JoJo's, that would be really cool. And so I get a phone call. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like the Lions show. The Lions yeah. show was, um, I got an email. It just said Lions. And I was like, that's bad. I bet. Ch- well, shit. <laughs> you know, so, so a lot of booking is chasing stuff down and usually not getting it. Yeah. And then some, some of the best booking will be the one where you go, yeah, who's this? You want who? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 we can do that. And then you'll be like to your mate, like, oh my god! <laughs> and, 
mentioned how you've gone a bit... Oh, actually, speaking, I don't know, I mean, you could probably hear the background. We had Tame Impala play. Not technically a White Heat show, but like a Lexington show, early days. I think their first UK show. And it was like these kids, and they were, they were really young at the time. Yeah. And they sounded like the CD, like you've never heard a band sound so good. But like, not like the CD in a kind of chin-strokey, boring way. Like the CD, but they're going nuts. And you're like, how are you this? What? Yeah. They're definitely outliers, like production-wise. They really pick the time. Yeah. Now you mentioned you went from venue to venue, and they'd shut down. Did you see other night, any other reputable nights or venues meet an early demise in your time? I mean, it's kind of a funny thing, because... An early demise is quite often a heroic kind of blaze of glory, depending how you look at it. But like, I mean, we always used to go to Trash. Probably the the club night I've been to most in my life was Trash every Monday for years. And um, I mean, the venue got shut, so they they um, called it a day. And then Errol obviously went on to yeah. be quite popular. Errol Alcon, in case yeah. any listeners recognise the name. Where was Trash? What was the venue? Do you remember? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's called the End. It was. Um, it was in, in Soho again. I mean, the fun thing about Soho is no one goes to Soho now unless they're having a meal. Yeah. You know, Soho for nightlife is um, kind of buggered. But. Uh, so, it's come, you said it was coming up to 15 years of white heat. How are you feeling about it? Are you, are you still in love with it? Is it like, uh, I guess, are there any bands you're looking to get on for that? No, it's fun. Um, I'm, in terms of bands I'm looking to get on, uh, you'll have to wait. But, um, yeah, there's definitely going to be a bit, a bit of asking around. I've got some cunning plans. What's we'll this space? Um, we'll see how that works out, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for your time. And we will talk again because there's a lot of London history here and I intend to unfurl it bit by bit. Thanks for your time, mate. And that was that. Thank you very much to Ollie and Matty for their time. It was really fun catching up with them. I mentioned at the start this wasn't really about the bands, but there were two great artists that played last night. They were Hudson Scott and Chad Valley. And from what I saw of their performances, both of them sound like they'd be at home on the radio for Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which is one of the highest compliments I can pay to any artist. I will put some videos from their shows on my Instagram, and I'll put some links to the Lexington and White Heat Mayfair as well, so you can find out more about what it is we were talking about. There are, I said there were, I think I said, I did a couple of takes of the opening, I said there were two people that tend to helm White Heat. Matty is one of them, Marcus is the other. I didn't get a chance to catch up with him last night, but I do very much intend to return to the Lexington, to return to White Heat, so I will catch up with him in the near future. Thank you very much for listening. As for today's music, I'm going to press pause and then record again, and I'll have some sort of instrument set up in three, two, one. And we are primed. A couple of things, I can't remember if I mention them, if they mention them. One... Matty, so they talked about how Madame Jojo's became a host venue for White Heat. Apparently, that part of Eyes Wide Shut by Stanley Kubrick was filmed at Madame Jojo's. So now I definitely need to watch that film again to try and spot those parts. And just a little bit of history about me and White Heat. So, years ago, a little movie called Drive came out. The soundtrack for that film was very popular. 
particularly the songs by Chromatics. I found out they were playing in London. I went to the venue they were playing at, Madame Jojo's. I didn't have a ticket, but I hoped if I got there early enough, something might happen. And something did happen. First, I got to talk to Matty a little bit. But then Johnny Jewell, one of the main people behind Chromatics and their label, Italians Do It Better, he came outside. So I got to talk to him for like half an hour. And then he let me into their show and let me into their next show at Village Underground. And then I caught up with them again, I think a couple of years later at Coco. And he let me backstage there as well. And that was my first time ever at Madame Jojo's. And it was this basement venue on Soho. You'd go down the steps and you would feel like you're in another world. It was a fantastic, fantastic venue. R.I.P. But hey, let's not dwell too much on the past because there's still plenty of great music out there. As you heard, uh, interesting that one, Ollie wasn't too keen on Tame Impala, whereas Matty (laughs) couldn't help but extol their virtues. We take all comers here on Saturday's Night Out. Today's music will be somewhat inspired by my history with White Heat. It is an original song, but with lyrics from the song Running From The Song <laughs> Let's try that again Lyrics from the song Running From The Sun by Chromatics It's a little mashup idea I came up with and it goes like this Maybe I put the phone up here The burning flame is flickering now I say walk with fire it's the same dream every night don't be scared it'll be alright if you say Your prayers tonight Be careful what you ask And if you lock your windows tight Daylight still peeks through the cracks Running from the sun Running from the sun Ah, wasn't that nice? Today is the royal wedding. Congrats to Meghan and Harry. I feel remiss if I didn't say that. Open mic tonight, so I've got that to look forward to. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.